0: This is Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey, an Ella's Leash production. Shine On is a weekly presentation with guests, ideas, information, and fun designed to improve your life from 100.7 WHUD. Hi, it's Casey. Today we shine on with intention. Author Lynn McTaggart joins us and reminds us to keep our thoughts clean and clear as we learn that paying attention to our thoughts has a big payoff.
1: It's about what you're thinking 24 7. You know, that's also an intention. Everything you're beaming out to the world is affecting things. And so every bit of judgment you hold, all that negativity that you walk around with, you know, every last little bit of flotsam and jetsam and mendacious thinking, that also is an intention, and that essentially becomes your life's intention.
0: Lynn leads workshops and conducts huge scientific experiments using the power of thought. She wrote the intention experiment, and her new book is called The Power of Eight, Harnessing the Miraculous Energies of a Small Group to Heal Others, Your Life, and the World. The Power of Eight is about a group of eight people. But Lynn, you came up with this number in a kind of random way, right?
1: (laughs) The number eight is a happy accident, Casey. That happened because I was doing these giant intention experiments trying to prove the power of thought, really because I was a bit of a skeptic about things like the secret and the law of attraction. And so I thought, well, I'm going to put this to a scientific test and actually get my readers around the world to be intent to very well-controlled targets. And we had had some success. This was back in 2008. And so I thought, well, I to run workshops about this because that's what you do. Although I have a journalistic background, I started out life as an investigative reporter. So I'd never run a workshop before. So I was kind of wondering, how do I do this? And I was there kicking it around with my husband one day. And I said, oh, I know. I'll just put the people into groups of eight or so and have them send a healing into to someone in the group with a health challenge and my husband turns to me and goes, yeah, power of eight. I like that. That's catchy and, you know, he's a good headline writer. He's a journalist too. So that's kind of how it started. We put people into groups of eight, had them do this healing intention for someone in the group, had them all hold hands, assuming that it was going to just be a feel-good exercise like a facial and lo and behold, the next day when people lined up to sort of talk about their experiences, they were talking about major healings. You know, it was like the lame were walking. We had, you know, a woman with a bad stomach problems that seemed completely cleared. A woman with, woke up every day of her life with migraines and suddenly didn't have them anymore. A woman with arthritis who said she had no pain anymore and, you know, on and on and on. And in every workshop I've run ever since, we've had these extraordinary effects, even everything from a multiple sclerosis person showing up the next day without her crutches to a woman last weekend who had stroke and couldn't focus her eyes and suddenly had had a stroke and suddenly was able to focus normally. It was really all about this crazy, happy accident. And the book is all about my quest, basically, to understand what on earth I'd done to these people.
0: Lynn McTaggart, the guest, the book is called The Power of Eight. What I love about the book is how honest you are. I mean, your real, your scientific background comes through, and you don't leave any room for the woo-woo, although there's plenty of miracle happening on every page.
1: Well, as I say, I mean, I started out life as a hard-nosed journalist, and so I really wasn't sure that the whole idea of using intention to affect anything was going to work. I was pretty skeptical about it, but I was willing to put it to a test. You know, I was a 21st century doubting Thomas, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I kind of disparage woo-woo that it isn't supported, because it sort of undermines the kind of work I'm doing, which is looking at the science and spirituality, and, you know, the biggest woo-woo was occurring right right in front of me, Casey, right. you know, and this was the thing. I was trying to figure out why.
0: All right. Let me break this down for people who aren't familiar with this type of exercise or experiment. Let's go yeah. back to Misaro Emoto. He was the man that people may be familiar with. He wrote the book Messages in Water, and it was about putting a positive word next to water and then filming it in a crystallized form and seeing beautiful uh, patterns and putting a negative word next to the crystals of water or next to the water and freezing and filming and seeing uh discordant patterns or or um uh, asymmetrical types of uglier things you know actually so you can take away from that the basic thing we're talking about is how how words have energy and our thoughts have energy and how that energy can heal people but when you sat down your group of eight to do these little experiments did you expect everyone in the group to be healed or just the person that you were sending your good vibes towards
1: I didn't expect anybody was going to heal, get healed. I thought this was going to be a little feel-good effect, like a like a massage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was only doing this because, to be honest, because you know this is what you do in workshops—you have an experiential thing. So I thought, oh, it's going to make everybody relax. It'll be a nice little indication of, you know, how we all come together. And by that time, too, when I wanted to take Dr. Amoto's work a step further, he himself invited me once to do an water experiment in Japan because he's wanted he had wanted to take his work a stage further and work with you know with real scientists. Now I'm not a scientist. I'm just a, a writer. I'm just an author. But I know a lot of scientists from the work I do in this kind of new science and looking at science and spirituality. So I've been doing the big experiments with them, you know, where we set up a controlled thing, like trying to make plants grow faster or trying to change the pH of water or trying to lower violence in a war-torn area. And I oftentimes work with a scientist or a team of scientists from places like uh, Penn State University, University of Arizona, California, you know, University of California, very prestigious universities, very credible scientists. And we set up a controlled study, and then have my readers around the world send an intention at a particular point to that target. Okay. And we've done this in the in the big experiments, we've done 30 of them, and 26 have shown positive effects. But the little experiments that you're talking about, which were just power of eight groups, informal groups, I never thought it was going to work.
0: So why did it work?
1: Well, I looked at it from every angle in the book, and I think that there is this big, powerful piece is intending for someone else you know in the self-help movement we make a big mistake because we have this exclusive focus on self making me better you know really this is about setting an intention for someone else and what's so interesting about these little groups of eight is that not only the person who's the target gets healed but also there's been a lot of healings among the people who are doing the sending so i think there's this big virtual circle and if you start looking at the science of altruism you See, it's like a bulletproof vest. People who pray for other people who have the same condition as them—there's one study of people with depression. The people doing the praying do better than the people who are getting prayed for. Wow, is really interesting. Wow, and there's loads of things like that. People doing for others in any capacity live longer, are healthier, are happier. You know, in every regard, their lives are improved. So there's that's a piece. But it's also the idea of the power of a group. You've got somebody watching your back. You've got somebody who's a stranger in most cases doing this praying
0: for you, essentially. And that is just so powerful.
1: Yeah. It's just so powerful.
0: In a way, it makes so much sense to me because when you're praying for someone else... When you're giving of your thoughts and wishing someone else well, you're, I don't know, maybe I guess that's what we were made for. I think we were made to care for each other. So when we're wishing each other well or hoping the best or, or intending for someone to heal or have joy, um, I think that kind of just lights us up. You know, I think that's who we really are. But i what do I know? I'm just a radio host.
1: You're absolutely right, Casey, and I, I put this to the test in a couple of ways because I, I you know, I kept trying to figure out, oh, there's got to be some reasons for this. And so ultimately I gathered together, I invited people among my community, and I got 250 of them to be guinea pigs where I went through a seven-week teleseminar situation with them tell them how to do this, and then put them into little groups of eight and observe them for a whole year, month by month by month, just to see what was happening. And of the people who kept meeting together once a week, and this is only on Skype, this is a virtual group. It worked just as well as physically present. And of that 150 who continued to meet regularly week after week after week, pretty much 100% of them had some sort of major life change. You know, there was, like, Mitchell, who had, he was a clinical psychologist who had chronic depression. And he managed to get over that, et cetera, et cetera. It was a little virtuous circle that kept going on. And I had more questions. Well, why does this work so well? The big answer really came when we did a study of what was happening in their brains. Uh, I did it with Life University, the biggest chiropractic university in the the country. And they found that when people are involved in this little power of eight group, intending as a group, their brainwaves go through major changes. And there's a quieting of the brain of the parts that are involved with worry, doubt, negativity, and also separation, being separate, feeling separate from yourself and other people or separate from other people in particular. And there is a kind of, this kind of characterization, this kind of brain signature really would demonstrate that people are in a state of great almost like ecstatic oneness, very similar to somebody who's like a Sufi master or a Buddhist in ecstatic prayer. And so we have documented that there's something about this small group prayer that is absolutely transformational.
0: Lynn McTaggart is the guest. The book is called The Power of Eight. What I need you to do now, Lynn, is get a little group together and heal the United States of America because we could use a little ecstatic uh, love and happiness around here.
1: We've been running sick. Now, I did a live Facebook yesterday just to send an intention to the... The families of the victims at Las Vegas and also those who were injured, the five hundred people who were injured, to just help you know, help them heal and we have, you know, thousands of people on Facebook doing the same. The interesting thing is the rebound effect on the participants. What I've catalogued with a lot of my big peace intention experiments is when people are involved together in a big intention for peace, their lives become more peaceful. I always try to do this very scientifically and I've surveyed the participants afterward and we We found in our major peace intention experiments that they're making up with people they've been estranged from. They're getting along better with their wives and husbands and bosses and sisters and brothers. They're hugging strangers. It's really quite amazing. Yeah. And it's all about this kind of oneness state that is so transformational.
0: Right. When you put yourself in that state, miracles happen. I get it. All right. Let's talk about, you know, in your big experiments, um... 26 out of 30 went well. Why doesn't it work all the time?
1: Well, of those four that didn't work, a lot of them had technical problems. Mm. Uh, one of them, I think, uh, a lab assistant put the... It was a water experiment, put the water next to an electromagnetic field, which could have affected, mm. you know, the the effect of intention. Uh, a couple of others, the, the websites didn't work. And uh, one other, we think the intention was very diffuse and not specific enough. In that case, we just sent love to the water. And it's been our experience with me and the scientists that being very specific is more important. Okay, so... That seems to help focus that request to the universe.
0: The Power of Eight is the book we're talking about, but let's get personal now. Um, Talk to people setting an intention when they wake up in the morning. What should their intention sound like?
1: I think it should be very specific, to be honest, Casey. And that's our experience. This is what I always talk to people about in Power of Eight groups. You know, um, it shouldn't be just, hey, world peace. You know, focus on the particular area you want. And also make sure that it's exactly what you want. A lot of people say things like, I want to be rich, when they don't really, that's not the real intention. The real intention is, I don't want this job, I want another job. I want to pursue my dream career. I'd like more time with my children or my grandchildren. And so that's the real focus, or I want to pursue my hobbies. So make it very specific. Tell the universe exactly what you want. And also understand something else You know, we're not completely clear about why, but consciousness is demonstrated, and I'm certainly demonstrating it over and over again, has the capacity to reach outside of us into the universe. It's a trespasser and affect other things and other people. And if that's the case, it's not just the big, you know, the little power thought you have on first waking up in the world. It's, you know, in the morning. It's about what you're thinking 24 7. You know, that's also an intention. Everything you're beaming out to the world is affecting things. And so every bit of judgment you hold, all that negativity that you walk around with, you know, every last little bit of flotsam and jetsam and mendacious thinking, that also is an intention. And that essentially becomes your life's intention.
0: Ugh, that's frightening. That's frightening. It's all about becoming more conscious. Yes. More conscious of what you're thinking. So you said consciousness is a trespasser? Well, we know this. One of my experiments will illustrate that. I was speaking in Sydney, Australia.
1: Uh, a scientist called Dr. Gary Schwartz at the University of Arizona, a psychologist. He and his lab had set up an experiment with four sets of seeds. And we were going to try to make them grow faster. So I, A, B, C, D. I randomly chose the audience in Australia one of the sets of seeds. I had all four photographs. I put up the set, whatever it was, D probably. We sent intention to those seeds. The scientists did not know which ones we chose. I called them to say it's over. I didn't tell them about the seeds. They planted all four sets of seeds, measured them five days later. The seed sent in, and then I unblinded the study and said, well, we sent it to seed D. And they measured the effect and the seeds sent intention grew significantly higher than controls. And that happened with the five other studies we did in various other places when I was speaking in front of an audience and once from my internet audience, they did it from the website. My audience is in Sydney, Australia. The seeds are in Tucson, Arizona. We are sending intention to something 8,000 miles away. Plus, we're sending intention not to the thing, but just a photographic representation of the thing. Nevertheless, we had an effect. Now we're kind of talking about not just a trespasser, but there's the ability to create a kind of psychic internet that carries around the globe and affects things far away.
0: So why aren't we all meeting once a week in our communities with our people to send out intentions for our country or whatever? We should all be doing this, yes?
1: This is why I wrote the book. And it doesn't have to be thousands of people. It just needs to be a little group of eight. Size of group doesn't matter. We've run many experiments where we've had small groups and huge groups, and we have the same effect. It's about having a group. It's about a group consciousness. And what I would love to see is people all around the world putting together little power of eight groups and intending for each other and finding the amazing virtuous circle that is and how powerful that can be.
0: So we're gonna get together in a power of eight group. How long do we have to send our intentions to the thing, whatever it is? Five to ten minutes, something like that. It's, you
1: know, it's about getting into that state of oneness. It's about all holding the same intention, deciding on the intention statement together, all holding the same intention at the exact same time, visualizing if it's a person, that person being healthy and well in every way and free of pain or whatever the issue is. If it's another thing, just imagining that, doing what you're intending for, and uh, just focusing on all of that. You know, doing this kind of altruistic activity fires up a nerve in the body called the the vagus nerve, which helps us release things like oxytocin, which are, that's the hormone that makes us more caring and loving and tolerant. And people find that after these experiments, they are much more loving and tolerant of people not like them. So imagine the implications now for the U.S., where we're so polarized and divided, between Republicans and Democrats and all kinds of people with different divisions because of their beliefs. Imagine doing these little groups and becoming much more tolerant. What an impact that that would have.
0: So you don't mind if I start a power of eight group in Cold Spring?
1: I would love for you to start a power of eight group in Cold Spring, Casey. Okay. Absolutely.
0: All right. That's what we're going to do now. Also, I've been on your Facebook page. I think I even participated in one of these intention things one time. I invite people to your Facebook page and your website.
1: So my Facebook page is facebook dot com forward slash lynn mctaggart two o one one lynn mctaggart two o one one, and my website is lynnmctaggart.com. The interesting thing there for people who don't have a physical group of eight is that we are setting up a community site that will be live next week having that can help people create virtual groups, which, as I say... Loads of my master classes Have had virtual virtual groups They've never actually met But they're like An intention family That continue to meet Week after week after week
0: All right And because you're so generous I'm going to ask you How I can do this With my own Facebook group I have a page called A Circle of Women And it's mostly women Who listen to this show Or or like these kinds of topics And I think we're over 600 people now So it's a nice size Wonderful I'd
1: like Divide
0: them into groups of eight
1: Tell, Tell them to get into to groups of eight and start intending for each other and they can find out all about how to do it by just reading my book, which has full instructions about, you know, how to do it, what kind of experiments you can set up yourself, how to do intention properly, and so on.
0: Okay. What if I took a week with just this Facebook page and asked them to send Loving's thoughts to all the other people in the group? Like, you can scroll down the list of members in the group. Would that have any effect? I don't know,
1: you know, is the the short answer to that. I mean, I think sending loving thoughts to the whole group is great Um, I think it's important for us to be specific and I think you know you get into that thing of not really focusing if you've got such a big intention that you're not really focusing on any particular area Ah,
0: it's almost like you know
1: you know this is we're playing around with consciousness something we don't really understand and that's why with my intention experiments we started out on the ground floor with you know just trying to affect very subtle things about a leaf and then moved on to seeds and then moved on to properties of water and then moved on to bigger targets like more torn areas but, you know, we, we're not really sure. We're just feeling our way as to what works and what doesn't. And But certainly, what I've found over and over again, being specific really counts.
0: I feel like we're little babies waking up when you say, we don't really understand what consciousness is or can do, you know? And this is what we are. We are consciousness, and we don't even understand ourselves.
1: Oh, so true, Casey. I mean, because we've lived
0: with this view of
1: ourselves, you know, thanks to scientific views that are, you know, a few hundred years old, Um, we, we live with this kind of Newtonian view of ourselves as being these discrete objects, and we also believe, and this is the current view of science in the main, that consciousness equals brain, and we're demonstrating this over and over again, that consciousness lives as well outside the brain. You know, and if we continue to believe that kind of mechanistic idea, this makes no sense. But if you start adopting some of the ideas of the pioneer scientists who are finding in consciousness research that the mind is a trespasser, that it doesn't just live in the brain, then that opens an entirely new idea, but we're just feeling our way with this. These are new radical ideas that we are discovering, but they certainly are demonstrated over and over again in science, you know. So it's not just the realm of religion anymore. This is being developed by and proven in hard science.
0: Excellent. Lynn McTaggart, what is your intention for the rest of the day? <laughs> my intention, I suppose,
1: is to, uh, to finish up a couple of the other interviews I have
0: and then put my feet up. Lynn McTaggart calling in from her home in London. The Power of Eight is the book. lynnmctaggart.com is the website. Join her Facebook page, too, and get in on the experiments that she holds. And join this Shine On family on Facebook, a page called A Circle of Women. And yes, I think we're going to have to do some Power of Eight work, don't you? Thanks for tuning in today. You can always find a Shine On podcast at kcey.co, K-A-C-E-Y.co. And we leave you today with our thought for the day. And today's thought comes from Dan Millman's book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. There was a character in that book named Socrates, and that Socrates said this, The secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. Think good thoughts and have a great week. You've been listening to shine on the health and happiness show with Casey and Ella's leash production. The content of shine on the health and happiness show is intended for general information purposes. Only you can listen to previously broadcast shows online at Casey.co that's K a C E Y dot C O join Casey for another edition of shine on the health and happiness show next Sunday morning, right here on 100.7 W H U D.